This is the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is the 12th episode of the Level Flight Podcast. I am Elliot. As always, I am joined by Brian. Hello. And Connor. Glad to be back. We have an interesting show today. The Jets went on a five-game road trip, and we had some mixed bags results and ended with a little bit of disappointment. We'll get right into it today, and we will talk about the last game that happened before the last episode. It was the Jets playing in Toronto against the Leafs, and it was a 4-1 loss. What were your guys' takes on it? It always sucks losing to the Leafs, right? It does. <laughs> it's anti-locker room rhetoric. <laughs> yeah. Nothing better than beating the Leafs, but there's also nothing worse than losing to the Leafs. Yeah. Conversely so. Uh, they played great in this game. They got goal aid. Samsonov played great. Not really m- any other notes from me. Um, a lot of people, like this, there was a spiral on Twitter. The Jets fans were, but it, it's the Leafs, you know, emotions are running high. They lost. They got goal aid. It happens. Yeah, and a lot of, quite literally, the loss, uh, aside from getting goal aid, it happened in the second period where just a couple of, defensive breakdowns and Shifley got walked he got walked uh <laughs> Dubois somehow left uh um Matthews in the slot by himself yeah. and that's you don't do that um and there you go that's those are the two goals that um really it, it started sort of a spiral there in the second period but no for them and aside from that though it seemed the Jets controlled play for the rest of it mm. they dominated the first period had a not great first like half of the second, but then turn it on near the end, and then the third was all them, and then Samsonov was just all over the place. And, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't really do anything other than look at Samsonov and go, "Well, you played pretty well." And I, Austin Matthews probably should have had a hat trick. How many yeah. attempts did he get in the <laughs> slot? Like in in that <laughs> <Too> span, <laughs> I think what did he get? Like three or four opportunities and got all shots on net and scored what twice? Yeah, yeah like you can't do that. I think this game probably goes to overtime, I think, if not, and we at least come out with a point, but we didn't, and it kind of sucks. Then we went to the nation's capital, Mm. and different result. We win 5-1. I think the Jets looked better again. Yeah, we were all actually at a certain local sports bar for this one, Level Flight Podcast, night out, uh, watching the Jets throttle the Sens. It was great. They controlled it the whole way through. They scored in the first four minutes or whatever Ehlers scored, and then never looked back. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's a delight trying to control the Twitter feed uh, when you're sitting at a, at a table at uh, at Underdogs, which oh, yeah. if anyone from Underdogs is listening, we, we, we love the place. <laughs> it's great there. It was I, great. Yeah, I mean, good game, good atmosphere at the bar. That was good. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was also some football on as well, and so there were some people busy with the football game, but there were some Jets fans, so it was good to... Here's some claps after some goals and stuff. So. That Giants game was over in the first half, so it d- they changed it back to the Jets game pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, that it was not a very exciting uh, yeah. football game. So no. Um, no, but from what we saw, it was essentially just you go into an opposing team's barn and just do whatever you want. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they they kind of needed that because they had lost the. The, the first two, and uh, obviously you want to see them sort of right the ship a little bit. And uh, after that terrible loss in Montreal and then one of those good effort losses in Toronto, you wanted to see them rewarded for their efforts, and they were. So that's definitely, it's a, it's a bright spot of what we saw uh, on that road trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so a couple nights later... They play. They fly all the way down to the states. They play in Philadelphia, and they followed up by scoring five again, and it's it's a five three win. Yeah, I, I, I think that also merits a little bit of a little clap. And <laughs> I, I thought they played not too bad in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, you Brian had some issues with the the management that we'll get into later. That the way they handled uh, some lines down the stretch, but. I didn't really watch this game because my Niners were too busy uh, handling the Dallas Cowboys, so I watched that instead. Um, this is now a football podcast. It is, yeah. Let's get into it. No, uh, they 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 have to beat Philly. Um, I will say, John Tortorella's post game availability is always a delight to watch. He just hates the media like so much. Like you, you wouldn't even think he likes hockey. But yeah, 
they won. Uh, the, the Sens and the Flyers, I, I don't know about Montreal. Montreal's pretty up and down, but these are two of the worst teams on this road trip. So it was a good thing that they took care of business on the back-to-back. Yeah, and I mean, yes, Philly is not the greatest team. They have been quite hot, though, since they've come out yeah, of the, the holiday weirdly. break. So mm-hmm. um, they, they were a bit of a, a tougher test, also because it seemed like there was a point where after, I mean, at one point it was 3 nothing, And then there were a uh, quite a lot of chances uh, in that second period to uh, extend the lead even further. Um, they didn't get a chance to capitalize on any of them uh, and then saw the game draw back tied. So it's a, it's a lot of, uh, they could have made it out of reach a lot earlier. Uh, the end result ended up being the same, um, getting a... <laughs> A game-winning goal from Carson Kuhlman, yeah. who we still don't know what his goal song is. Um, <laughs> He's gonna score at home. Come I, on, I know. Like I yeah. want to know. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't think he'll score at home. But <laughs> well, so, ouch! Wow. <laughs> Watch, he's gonna score this week, and you're gonna eat crow. Like it's it's gonna be. He's gonna score an OT winner, and he won't be on an it, OT. If what Carson Kuhlman wants to <laughs> score more, be my guest. If I if if that means I have to keep nagging at him a little bit fine by me I'll, I'll keep <laughs> nagging at him if it means that he <laughs> continues to play well that's totally what he needs it's uh <laughs> elliot from the level flight podcast <laughs> he's gonna thank you in his post game yeah uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure that'll be what he'll say <laughs> last game of the road trip head from philadelphia all the way to nashville and it was not a great game i mean th- I, I think the jets are starting to create a trend of not playing well in the second period I think that's becoming a problem where we look good in the first especially in this game we looked great in the first did not look good in the second and yes we looked good in the third but we didn't produce anything no yeah and I, I saw a lot of oh the Jets got goalied on Twitter after the game and the better goalie in this game was Hellebuck Yep. So I I don't really think they got goalied I mean like they generated enough to score like three or four goals but Saros played okay. He played good. He's a good goalie. He's on the level of Hellebuck this year. You know he's going to play good. But the Jets let up like five and a half expected goals or something ridiculous. So I I, I think the defensive structure was just not there. Uh, last game of the road trip, uh, Perfetti alluded to it after the game. They were kind of tired as a group. You know, the third period wasn't really the effort they wanted because, you know, you're nearing the end of a road trip. And they came back for that one game and then went back on a five-game road trip, coming off of like a four-game road trip before that. So it was just a long stretch of uh, build-up, and this was the the game that the fatigue kind of was noticeable, I'd say, in the third. Yeah, I mean, there was also just a lot of little errors in either the passing or uh, positioning that you haven't seen from them as of late. Um, I know, you know, there's certain players that I can pick on, obviously, but in the end, it really... There was a lot of mistakes from a lot of players, um, mm-hmm. and I, I and a lot of that too is as you were saying, like fatigue. Like you, you, I'm I'm not gonna throw excuses out there because you know this is the NHL. You're supposed to be able to you know perform at a pretty consistent rate, but uh, occasionally it's not your night. And obviously we didn't get you know quote unquote goalie, but um, it's a situation though where it coincides with one t like. The Preds outplayed the Jets like distinctly. Like mm-hmm. there, it wasn't like a close in that sense, but um, it was also a combination of them outplaying us, but Soros being Soros when we had our chances. Yeah, and, and it was like situational goalieing. Yeah, it, weirdly enough, yeah, I I agree. It, it the fatigue factor and the goalies were both great. That's why it was a two one game, right? Like these teams generated enough, but the goalies did what they do. That's why they Hellebuck is paid big money. Well probably not enough but the Saros is one of the best goalies in the league this is why this is a low scoring game but you wouldn't have thought that with the chances that were being generated and the Jets just didn't convert so yeah too too many mistakes in this game mm-hmm. and one thing I really wanted to draw on was during the intermission on the broadcast when they brought in Dubois who did score early it looked good for the mm-hmm. Jets early I thought we were gonna maybe run away with a 3-1 or 4-1 victory um, he said that the Jets were looking for six points on the road trip. Mm-hmm. And so I was really hoping for them to get the six points. But as Brian alluded to, there was too many mistakes in this game. And again, as much as the second period being the Jets being bad in has become a trend, I think when they're not playing well, 
too many mistakes are being made, like passing and some decision-making. And so that's also becoming a trend, and that's a little concerning to me. But I won't be worried too much about it. The Jets have looked good, really good all season, and there were two good games in between here, yes, against inferior opponents, but I I still think it was an all-right road trip with a little bit of disappointment. Yeah, we're nitpicking to an extent, like... It, it, they this was their eighth road game out of nine games and over the span of two and a half weeks it happens they're going to be tired they're going to lose games and, and the divisional opponent too on the road exactly yeah. yeah and these are also games that you can take a lot out of uh in terms of what a team might need going forward uh to try and prevent it because it was also a situation where nashville played a fairly conservative game that blocked up the neutral zone a little mm-hmm. forced a lot of weird passes as we were saying but um, I think what it also showed, and I've said this a few times, and if you follow me on Twitter, uh, constantly referencing how there's been several of these games where the Jets should be piling on in certain situations, but they can't get that final little push to actually getting you know finish you know scoring the goal. And I think that it's just a it's a situation where obviously they were outplayed, but if they have that uh, you know finisher that they're reportedly looking for to help. Uh, you know, fill out that top six. Uh, with that, you can possibly steal some games with your scoring. And you can sometimes outscore problems, which uh, obviously is not a sustainable form of the winning. Leafs. The Leafs. The Kraken. Oh, that too. The, no one in that the league too. No one in the league outscores their problems quite like the Kraken. Uh, believe <laughs> yeah. me, I know. I write about The Leafs those. have in the past. Maybe not as much this season, but they have. In the past, yeah. Yeah. No, but... Uh, with the Jets, though, I, I think it, it'd be a good idea to try and fill that need so you can occasionally get that extra little push from the offense when you need it because um, really the Connor Dubois Perfetti line was the only one that was clicking. And then they were great. They were. Yeah. Um, but past that, you need something else. Like you can't just rely on one line every night to, because that's the thing, because it's essentially if the top six at any point dries up or one player, there's there's not a lot to pull you out of that hole. No. And, uh, like, you, they've been getting more offense from the defense this year, which is one thing that has really helped mask that. But the three losses on this road trip specifically really highlight how badly they do need another finisher. I think we all we all believe that they will add at the deadline. It's just a matter of adding the right player and the right fit. Yes, um, which we will get to in the next few weeks yeah. here. Um, February is going to be a big month for trade deadline preview from us and everyone. <laughs> Everywhere yeah. you look will be that, so... Because like, yeah. everyone's going to be looking for the content that, you know, in terms of what they're going to be wanting to add. Um, we're heavily of the mindset that there are certain things that you should definitely do and others that you should maybe be wary on unless it's like a secondary move. Um, we're not going to elaborate on that because we're going to have a full episode on that <laughs> in the next few weeks. Uh, as we said last week, when we almost dove into trade talk. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Won't be making that mistake. Um, we'll hold back again. Ho- hopefully, we can learn from our mistake, unlike some of the mistakes the Jets made in the Predators game. <laughs> oh, no, I, they seem to be learning this year. That's a difference this yeah. year. And yes, as Connor alluded to, we are nitpicking, but it's also because we feel that the Jets are a contender this year, or at least a p- team mm-hmm. that should make it far in the playoffs. And so, if you want that to be the case, you kind of have to nitpick. Now, we were going to mention this a couple episodes ago because it was a li- it was or I guess it would have been last week. Um, Dubois to Montreal. That was the talk when they were in Montreal playing on the road. We didn't really have time to get to that last week. Then it actually turns out that we can get to it this week because there was a new development yeah. in this story. Yeah, largely what brought it to light last week was. Uh, Dubois announcing uh, his namesake taking over uh, what was initially the Vincent LeCavalier Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is now the Pierre-Luc Dubois Foundation, uh, focusing on um, you know minor hockey in Quebec and trying to make it accessible. Uh, which, first of all, great initiative, great. And yeah. I and I think that uh, the reason I was going to mention it last week, but you didn't have time, was the fact that so much was made out of it when it felt like the general idea of why why he was doing that was lost and first of all not a huge fan of that yeah um but it's also i don't think it's that big of a deal that someone starts a foundation in their home their their home province like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's that like indicative obviously there's a lot of speculation going around because of uh you know the last couple of years and in in between last season and this one specifically with the report that he would like to play for the canadians um 
I think, though, and I'm very firmly of this mindset, and that may be adjusting slightly after the new report, <laughs> is I don't think you can take anything out of what anyone is saying right now in the Jets organization, whether that's from you know coaching, whether that's from Dubois. Aside from the fact that Bonus was honest in saying he's going to do whatever he possibly can to keep him on this team. Yeah. Um, but Dubois is not going to allude to anything. Like I don't, I don't understand like the the whole picking apart what he says when he's literally just saying I'm, I'm here. Yeah. His his whole mantra this whole season, whenever a question's going to be asked about him leaving, will be I'm focused on this season. It's the classic PR sports yeah. person contract is running up response of I'm focused on this year. I'll worry about that in the off season once we're eliminated from the playoffs or the season's over. He he's not going to give any sort of like unless you've somehow talked to him and he's talked to you in private and you got it recorded, there, I, I'm not going to believe anything that you say. Yeah, and the report that you were alluding to is from Nick Caprios. He was on Tim and Friends, a Sportsnet show, and he basically said that there is zero chance that Pierre-Luc Dubois stays in Winnipeg long term and that he will will his way to Montreal and become a Canadian for however long he wants to be there. And he compared it to... He said that he broke a story the year that the Capitals won the Cup and said that Barry Trotz was in a similar situation, that even if they won the Cup, he would walk away, and then that's what happened. But I, it, it, it's tough to speculate on it this far out, like you guys said, but I just don't believe that there is nothing that the Jets can do. Like, offering him $10 million for the next eight years, the captaincy, and winning a Stanley Cup this year, you're telling me, like, that won't move the needle at all. Like, it w- like even if Dubois is at 10% right now, you tell me that won't bring it to a coin flip? That won't, like, change his mind in the slightest? Winning a Stanley Cup with this group? Like, I don't know. I, mean, I just don't really buy that. And let's be real. Like, obviously, Montreal's starting to make a turn in terms of their their young talent is finally coming into their own. Um, but we're kidding ourselves if in the next couple of years they're they're going to be some sort of Stanley Cup contender. They're several years out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's largely, and I I I I definitely I respect uh, Kipper and uh, how he uh, was saying that, and mm-hmm. I, I understand that he's probably got uh, a source that he trusts um, with you know, what he had said about you know, Trots and with this, and I'm sure that there is definitely some truth to it. Um, where it's I I bet obviously like. From what we've heard, there's a lot enough reports now to assume that he definitely does want to play in Montreal. Well, his agent said that last year, straight up. And then he just came out and said he was, wants to play for the Canadians. It was dispelled though a little bit because right. it was at some point. Right. And the whole thing was, well, most uh, Quebecois players will want to play for the Canadians at some point in their career, and I think that's fair. I I, I totally get it. Um, but no, as you were saying, it just feels just too certain to me yeah. uh, at this point where we still have another year of RFA control. Um, obviously, and the other thing that I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this a lot after that, if that was the case, I have a feeling you would see a lot more buzz around the Jets trying to gauge interest from other teams or finding a replacement. And maybe that's what this deadline is. Maybe we haven't heard that. Maybe, but... But I feel like there's been nothing around, oh, the Jets are looking for an early replacement for... Uh, Dubois because they're convinced he will not sign after next season because he's it's, it's RFA one more year after this and then mm-hmm. he's a UFA. So at this point, you have to start future proofing. And I haven't heard a lot out of the Jets uh, organization from that in terms of from an outsider's approach here. So obviously that it could be going on a lot in the front yeah. office, but we don't know. But it's it's a lot of but it's just the speculation that I think it's a little bit much at this point, especially when the Jets are in the midst of their best season in yeah. years uh and obviously it's he does his best to not say much about it uh it's got to be at least a little distracting for Dubois um even if he is planning on leaving he's also he is still focusing on the season he's having a career year so mm-hmm. uh yeah I think it's it's too far out to make any sort of you know uh such definitive statements my issue like isn't with the fact that I think he wants to be with the Canadians at some point, maybe even as early as next year, right? Maybe the it is a 10% chance that he stays in Winnipeg long-term. My issue with it is that there's nothing the Jets can do, which is the quote-unquote issue, which I just don't really believe that. I think there are things that the Jets can do. Like I don't know if that's a hot take to say, but uh, he said even if they win the Cup, 
he's he's gone. He's good as gone. So I don't know. Like you said, maybe it's this deadline. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's the off season when he's an RFA that we see the the, the rumors start to swirl, like what happened with Matthew Kachuk, um, where they have to move him because he's not going to stay long term. Right? He's going to go. Uh, so maybe that that ends up happening, but I just don't believe the fact that there's nothing they can do. There's always something that you can do. Right. It's it's if you're willing to do so. Yeah. It's there there. I can pull so many examples from so many different sports and teams, and I don't. It doesn't matter. I could pull from a bunch of different things. Like I don't know. I'm I'm not even gonna get into it because it's just like you can, and I'm sure there's some sort of like Dubois goes. Here, here's my contract, and my no-move clause is I don't want to go anywhere other than Montreal, so if you want to trade me ever, you have to trade me to Montreal, right? Like, yeah. And the Jets go, sure. You want a seven-year deal? At, or I was, I was talking to the guys before this, and I said 8 by 10 I'm sure the Jets would go 8 by 10 and we can only trade you the Canadians? I'll sign on the dotted line any day of the week, <laughs> right? So there's always something you can do in this situation, and yeah, it's too early for any of this. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I just, I just want to focus and have fun this season. Like I, I'm, enjo- I'm, I'm really enjoying watching. We haven't this been team. this good in a while, and haven't been this angry about this team in a while. So I, I think we're allowed to let some things wait until the off season, and if it comes to fruition, we go, eh, whatever. We had a good season, and yeah. hope, well, hopefully, but. And like I said with the Kachuk thing, the Flames, like their season aside, they got players back. Yeah, so and good players. Yeah. Um, well, Huberto's dropped off a bit, but the the point is, like, if they are going to trade Dubois, theoretically, you're going to get something in return. Like, they still have him under team control. He's not just going to walk to the Canadians for nothing. Exactly. So, and I, I have a feeling that internally, they probably have a bit of a a clock on that too. Where if they realize that nothing, as uh, Kiprio said, uh, will convince him to stay then you start putting the feelers out. And as much as it sucks, it's a business. That's You have to try and maximize your returns in this situation. And the unfortunate thing is other teams do know that yeah, this is his, it might be his plan. Yeah. Um, and that could definitely impact trade negotiations. But you got to look to maximize return if you know that someone is not invested in staying with the team long term. And that's his prerogative. And, you know, but we don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah we do not know. As Connor said, he's not going to walk. So even if you start, yeah. yeah, even if you start next season, he hasn't signed a contract yet. He's still an RFA. You can still trade him and get something for him mm-hmm. before that contract deadline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you know, and it's it's nice too to actually talk about him away from this as well this season because I know last year there was a lot of talk um, about him having more to give, mm-hmm. uh, and he is giving it. Yeah, <laughs> I no mean, kidding. both him and his line mates this year, whether it, cause he's been bounced around a little bit, but he's looked consistently good. But I mean, now he's, he's got the dream team on his, on his wings. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Connor Dubois Perfetti has really worked last year. Uh, and they they finally put it back this year. I don't know why it took them so long. And all Perfetti's passing with those two. Yeah. Somehow improved. Somehow. <laughs> it's because he's a good player. And speaking of most improved, one might say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is for sure. Go, go listen to last week's episode to get that reference. Yeah, <laughs> or check out the clip on our Twitter. Account oh yeah, or TikTok. Boom. So speaking of Perfetti, going back to the Philadelphia game, Perfetti and Ehlers didn't play down the stretch against the Flyers. We the Jets still got the win, and right. so you can't really complain too much. But in a game that's that close in the third period, you have to be playing your good players. You can't just sit them on the bench. Like, are you kidding me, Bones? Yeah. And my issues, my issues with this, I, they, they, what did they? What was the official? They got like four shifts in the last. A combined four shifts. Combined where, four. Um, okay. I think Perfetti had one shift in the last ten minutes. Okay. And Ehlers only had three shifts. Yeah. My my issue with this is, well, their, their defense for it is going to be, we want defensive players out there, right? We yes. want Manalainen, we want Janssen Fialbi, whatever. But you know who didn't get sat down in those last ten minutes? Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, who yeah. are equally as bad defensively. So I, I don't really see the thought process because, yeah, those guys are vets, uh, but Ehlers is 26. Like, I don't know. He's, and I don't know I don't what constitutes Ehlers a is, veteran. What, what do you classify Ehlers in if he's not a vet? I, I don't know because <laughs> I, I don't get what the, if it's, if it's defensive game, 
then you're just single singling out players that who are equally as bad defensively as other uh, other wingers that you're playing. Well, so the, I don't get it. The thing that bothers me too is Ehlers was just flying out there. And Every game he's been like the best forward on this team. Well, so I, I don't uh, really. I saw a tweet. I'm for the life of me, I can't figure out who it was. Uh, Ehlers, despite missing like the first half of the season, is still on pace for over 60 points. That's insane. And so, when, that shows you how good he is. Because yeah. at that point too, um, we we saw a situation where uh, I think it was just either, either just before or just after the Kuhlman goal to put the Jets up. Uh, and at that point, yes, you want to play some uh, so, some stronger structured defensive play. But I also think you can't take your foot off the gas. My, yep. my my solution to not giving up any more goals is forget about giving up more goals and put more on the on the board to prevent it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. the the goal The puck can't be in your net if it's in the other teams. Yeah. And your two most dynamic offensive players, because um, Perfetti is in, especially in the last couple weeks here, and it, co- I, it I do think it coincides with where he's been in the lineup, um, which once again makes me feel really good about our take about how we shouldn't have been worried about him early in the season yeah yeah um and how his numbers would rebound they are and now he's i think what seven points back of the rookie scoring lead yeah yeah uh slowly creeping up on maddie veneers in seattle and he will keep slowly creeping up if he keeps playing with dubois and connor exactly (laughs) um but no you you should play your best players always just like because that's the thing because there's no rhyme or reason as to why you play other guys when they have the same deficiencies as the other players. Yeah, when you talk about um, putting the puck in more than the other team, I know that's the basis of the sport, <laughs> and I, I understand wanting to you know trap it up and play some defense. But my best analogy here to say and to show you what should happen is, I don't know, you guys will laugh at this. I don't know if either of you have played any of the newer NHL games when mm-hmm. you're playing career mode and you get talked by the coach and he asks you to make a decision. You either the the bottom answer, the cocky answer is always to just go and get another goal. Yeah, yeah. I'm always clicking that. I don't yeah. think anyone ever just says, "I'm just gonna go out and lay a big hit." No, I'm just gonna go <laughs> score another goal because that's everyone's mindset. Yeah. We're up four three. Let's go get another one. Yeah. Or we're up 5-3, and to make sure that they don't have to pull their goalie or they try to pull it with four minutes left and we're six on five the rest of the game, let's just go get another goal. Like, I, I don't, I, I really want to find a clip of that and post it on Twitter. Yeah. Every time the Jets are up in a one goal game and they start playing the third and fourth line, like every third, like second or third shift, and just post that and say, Let's just go get a goal. Yeah, because in NHL 23, your coach doesn't lean over the board and say, hey, let's go get three hits, dump the puck in every time you cross a wet line, and n- p- trap it up. Like, the co- like I don't know. Like, we're basing it off a video game, but, like, it's true because you want to get one more. You want to extend the lead, and then you can roll your lines. That's the point. And this touches back on a conversation we had a long time ago when they started Lowry, Appleton, and uh, Morrissey, or it was and two Pionk. defensive, and Pionk with, in overtime. And we had the conversation of you got to play your best players and stack up like your top line against their top line and just have faith that your players are better. And it's the same thing for down the stretch. It's and I thought we were over that talk. I thought I, I thought, thought so I, too, I, I but we I guess that. not. I guess not. Here we are because our like you like Nikolai Ehlers is arguably it's either him or Kyle Connor the best forward on this team. Yeah, and I mean I I'd argue that especially. There, I feel like there was questions, and a lot of them, when Ehlers was out of the lineup figuring out who the best Jets forward is. Right. And it was as if Ehlers heard that and said, <laughs> let me reintroduce myself. But my point Pull is up, like... Let them cook. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Kyle Connor's never been benched for the last 10 minutes of a game, which makes no sense. No. Well, probably not for a long time. He probably was at the Eventually, beginning of his career. Like, yeah, but, but I know like, Mar- Maurice never benched him, and Bonus hasn't this year yet, so I don't know. And it's also <laughs> like Ehlers wasn't, quote-unquote, benched. He was just, his ice time was cut down. I would say that Perfetti's was a benching, and I don't know why. Yeah. Also, out of, he's young, out of most he's of those... experienced. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> that is one of the worst... I hate that. I, and I hate when coaches do that in any sport. They do that in basketball, too, and I'm like... I don't care. He's young, like but okay, he's one of your best forwards. He, so he's, I don't care. He's a ta- he's ta- he's talented. Yeah, F- play the man. Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm willing to give bonus the benefit of the doubt here because maybe his uh, view of it is, um, yes, he's incredibly talented, and yeah, and the, it might be a, an experience thing, 
but I also believe that he wants to make sure that it's a, he's very situational, right? Like he always talks about having the right things in the right situation. And I think that that's one of those situations. I don't, I don't agree with it. Um, I think also, cause I'm pretty sure, uh, Perfetti is actually one of the more defensive, like responsible yeah. guys in the top six. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't agree with the decision and I seriously hope that we don't have to go down this road again. Cause this is not the first time we've mentioned it. But I have a weird feeling that we probably will. And I, I I think that may be one of the topics that we get to that just keeps reoccurring and reoccurring. Just imagine this. Just imagine this, kids. Game seven. Jets, oh Avs, and Ehlers and Perfetti are benched in the last 10 minutes because they need defense. And they're up 4-3 at home. And then McKinnon and McCarr pop two in the last five minutes. Boom. Done. And then, and then they and then and then you Bones, really wish you, you really Bones wish you got throws goal. them back out there with two minutes left. Going, <laughs> all right, let's create yeah. some offense. Yeah, you Dude, really no, wish you got another goal then, huh? Like we got to fix this now. Yeah, we us three, we got to yeah. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I will call, but no, I'm just <laughs> all offense, no defense. <laughs> yeah, every single shift, it's just five forwards. So what you're saying is we need five Neil Pionks out on the ice yes. at, at all times. Oh. <laughs> Chills. I <laughs> I will refrain from comment. <laughs> oh, but goodness. I mean that's a that's a good little segue here though into talking about deployment in another sense where specifically in last night's game uh against the Predators there was a a nice little jumbling of the defensive group. Yeah. And I don't really know who got the promotion. You said that on Twitter that I don't really know. It was it was Stanley and Schmidt to start the game on the third pairing and then Pionk and Dylan on the second pairing. And then for the third period, they kind of flipped back and forth and Stanley was with Pionk and then Schmidt was with Dylan, which I like Schmidt and Dylan. And you alluded to it. You said if the, if that's the second pairing, then yeah, that'll work. But if Stanley was the one getting the promotion, then it really wouldn't have worked. But yeah. I really liked Dylan and Schmidt. Dylan with a Hanela or a Schmidt, two guys that are like left-handed puck movers, has really he's been really good this year. Um, away from those guys, he hasn't been the best, so I'd, I'd like to see them continue with Dylan and Schmidt, and then we can get into the forward lines later, but what did you guys think of that switch in the third? I mean, he's just, Bonus is just going to continue to make changes. He's made a lot of changes this year, so... Which I, I like. I, I, I prefer yeah. that. I, I will say that. I'm not complaining about that. It's just, it's it's like, he, it's he, I don't think he's going to continue to settle on anything, mm-hmm. which is kind of good at the same time, because he'll make some changes, but I do prefer... Dylan and Schmidt, again, also, but I don't know. I think wherever you put Pionk, you need somebody who is uber defensive responsible. Like, that's where you wish you had another DeMello on your team. Yeah. That's probably going to be a little bit more defensively responsible than, I'm going to say, Stanley, but, I mean. Which, heck of a start for him last night. <sighs> First shift. I, I, Absolutely I, laid out. <laughs> was it Cody Glass? Yeah, it was, it was, it was the yeah. Winnipegger. He laid him out and then got into a scuffle, which... Okay, clean great. Hit, clean hit, and he had to respond for it. I am <laughs> sick and tired. Okay, here we go. Rant time. Yeah. I, I'm sick and tired of people fighting after clean hits. I like, hate there's it. the whole conversation. It's it's, I find it hilarious. It, it's, there's the whole conversation about making sure that hitting stays in the game. Uh, and I think it's the at its best when it's part of the play and it doesn't stop things. Like, if you get absolutely laid out, get up and keep moving. Uh, like yeah. that's the thing. And that's what Cody if, Glass did. If you did. can, if you can, because okay. sometimes well, right. you get your belt <laughs> okay. pretty good. Yeah, we well, should I'm also, I'm, that's that, the thing. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> it, it, obviously, don't get up if you have uh, a neck injury. Um, but <laughs> no, clarify. I don't think you're getting the, up. But the the issue though is if people are so insistent on hitting remaining of an important part of hockey, which I believe it should be. I think it adds just that layer of intensity that it needs. It can't be all skill. It can't be all grind or anything it has to be a mix i think for it to be a good uh you know a a good way to watch Mm -hmm. that being said if someone on your team gets laid out by a clean hit uh lay the other guy out when he has the puck with another clean hit that's how you should respond not with a fight that'll put you in the box for five minutes it's (laughs) it's one of my biggest pet peeves with watching hockey i i get so mad when it happens because it's a clean hit. And again, like you said, those should be a part of the game. The clean hits should be. If you blindside hit a guy out of the jaw and he's laying on the ice, yeah, you can fight Logan Stanley if he does that. Yeah, but that's if, the thing. Protect your teammates when it's a dirty hit. Yeah. Uh, 
hit back when it's not. Yeah. The funniest yeah. thing is I'm I'm not sure if this was exactly what happened last night, but the biggest issue I have with it is when a defenseman will throw a pass to a forward. It, it'll be a suicide pass, right? Yeah. The forward will get crunched, clean hit. And then the defenseman that threw the pass was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta stand up for him because that was a terrible pass." So he'll go and You're he'll the fight one the guy. That threw the yeah. But but I think that's also an accountability the thing. Going, oh, I'm so sorry I threw that pass. Okay, I'll answer the bell here. Yeah. To uh, to quote Taylor Swift, "I'm the problem. It's me." Oh God. <laughs> the T Swift references are out. Listen, you gotta, you gotta. Yeah. Um, but no, like that's the thing. And I actually, the the issue that I had with. Because uh, we were talking back before my rant, uh, we were talking about you know how things should be properly deployed, right. and we were saying about how Pionk would be better suited with someone who is more defensive. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, Stanley's one of the more aggressive guys on the team mm-hmm. in terms of how he actually you know moves the puck and tries to uh, you know he shoots a lot, hit. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, and and w- with with Pionk. That's a lot of uh, aggressive play and very little uh, defensive. Yeah. And while my my thing is, firstly, I don't think Stanley should have been in the lineup right away like that. Uh, not because I don't think because we we've had this conversation several yeah. times before. We all think he looked actually quite solid to start the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do think that at this point, like it's probably going to be a rotation. Uh, between Sandberg and Stanley for the remainder of way to rotate out Sandberg on his birthday. Yeah, was I was out. Come on. That, I mean, to touch <laughs> to touch on Stanley coming to the lineup. My favorite that and maybe there was another quote that Dan Robertson said during the broadcast last night. I, it's blanking to me. He he jinxed something. He brought he commentator cursed something else. But my favorite comment was as soon as Stanley started getting into a fight, he basically said. Oh, and that's probably why they put him into the lineup, just so that there's a big body and he's gonna fight. And I'm, I'm like, no, it's a because they like him for some odd reason. And yes, maybe there's a little bit of that. But the third reason I think is I have no idea why they threw him in the lineup. But I just laughed when he sat there and said, oh, it's because he wanted to fight. And Kevin Sawyer was like, yeah, that's why they threw him in the lineup. And I just went. What? Like the physicality is like, definitely a reason, but not the fighting yeah, itself. No, I don't this think. isn't yeah. 1985. I get they're, they're your rivals, but wow, <laughs> it's what a it's, year. News to me. <laughs> I'm throwing what the year out there. What a year. Yeah. <laughs> um. God. No, but like my my thing is, uh, and honestly, for the safety of the player, because Stanley played what two games after he came back from injury last time yeah. and then got hurt immediately. The second night of the back to back, he got hurt. Yeah, my my thing is, uh, he missed so much time this season. Give him two or three conditioning games with the Moose. Mm-hmm. Let him play top pairing, and then he can come in. I just I think that that's the best way to do it, and uh, I I also think that Sandberg is probably the better option for that third pairing, especially if we do end up getting an extended look of third pairing Neil Pionk, um, which I think more sheltered minutes, better defensive partner, uh, and a little less aggressive. If we're tr- looking to sort of make the best out of a, a weird situation, uh, Sandberg Pionk as your third is better than, I think, any of the other options. Yeah, and I talked about how much I like Dylan Schmidt together. Uh, Sandberg Pionk, I think, could be a really effective third pairing. And it gives, like you said, Elliot, the it gives Pionk that defensive, that pure defensive guy that Sandberg kind of plays like a Demelo. Like he's bigger, obviously, and he's more physical, but he doesn't provide much offense. He kind of just locks things down in his own end. And if he can let Pionk go, go on and do his offensive thing, I, I think they could work well together. So, um, yeah, we <laughs> the defensive pairings are gonna be in constant flux, like you said. Rotating Samberg out on his birthday, I didn't really like that, but it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, like, but yeah, you I, know. I, I know it we happens. don't play today, it but happens, like, but what <laughs> if we just rotated Bones out of, out of the coaching <laughs> off yeah. the bench today? Like, give Arneal another game because he got yeah, it earlier and ju- in the year, and right? Just yeah. say Bones, you know what? You're up in the press box today. Yeah, just watch like, this one. Like, like then maybe Samberg partied too hard the night before, and they were like, uh, "We can't let this guy yeah, play." Yeah, he was hungover. I don't know. He was at Tootsie's on Broadway in Nashville. Yeah, this is a joke for the record. I'm not implying that. Dylan Sandberg is a. We have inside no. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> that was funny. Um, that we we covered the defensive pairings. What about like for like we talked about how Connor Dubois Perfetti? We really like that. Uh, we want to see an addition, but do we like 
Baron Lowry Kuhlman is that do we think that's ideal do we like Ehler I really like Ehlers and Shifley together I don't know about you guys but they those two I think really feed well off another one another well and then the bottom six I don't know yeah flux well my thought is and I think this is the best way to go about this firstly um really liking as of late what I'm seeing from Baron yeah um I think what you do is you bring in that top six forward and you drop uh, Blake Wheeler down to that line with Barron and Lowry and satisfies the the big body requirement in the bottom six with some some skill. That's the thing. I am convinced, and we've talked about this a lot, I am convinced mm-hmm. that uh, Morgan Barron has somewhat of a goal, uh, like a goal-scoring touch. Yeah, um, I hope he does. I mean, that's the thing, too, where it's like, if you get a top six four, and I, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people off the pod, um, but it's... There's a lot of chatter about, oh, do you want a middle six or a depth guy? Where I go, you don't need that if you end up spending and getting, you know, that really good forward because then you just have a better player moving down rather than just like a role player. Mm. And I've I've had many, many a thought on this. Um, and <laughs> my my thing is I don't think that you should have all three of uh, Kuhlman, Janssen, Fialbi, and Manalainen in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And if I'm taking one out, it's Manalainen. I was just about to say, I don't think Menelainen should be in the lineup anymore. I, as long as AJF stays in, he's my favorite of the three. He's, he, and I think statistically too, yeah. both underlying and, uh, you know, actually. like he, yeah, and actually. I, I'm still kind of in the middle yeah. on Kuhlman. I don't know how to feel. Yeah, but. it's too small of a sample size. I, but. Th- I think uh, he's essentially, he doesn't, I mean, he scored twice, one an empty netter, but still. Uh, he's put the puck in the net a couple times more than I anticipated. He plays really similar to Appleton for me, so he feels like a purebred Appleton replacement until also, he comes what back. what happens there? Well, if we know the Jets, they're going to scratch Kuhlman on his birthday and throw <laughs> Appleton back in. No, I'm kidding. But Appleton, I, I keep think, forgetting about Appleton. Is that a bad thing? I, I mean, he's been out for a long I, time. I think he might be someone, actually, that, because at this point, you're either going to have to wave someone or move someone. I think Appleton is the most tradable of the bunch, and I don't think he's hard to replace, as bad as it sounds. I really think Baron Lowry Appleton will work, though. I want I want to see that. Like I know if they add top six, then Wheeler will theoretically move down to that line, but it's not a guarantee that they'll add top six. So speaking from what this team is right now... It just feels more like a fourth line to me. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of... Uh, like I mean, Baron and Lowry and someone with more offensive, you know, drive I think would be a really good, you know, look. I just don't think Appleton has enough to offer on that line. I think he's more of a uh, a fourth line guy just with how he he plays. Um, but there's something's gonna have to change here because you have three guys who essentially all play the same role. Yeah. Um, you have Appleton at some point coming back. Gustafson at some point will, and they're all playing a similar. Well, they they're all similar style, similar yeah. style of game, and then you have five of them, and you got to figure out okay which ones. Yeah, well, and play. this this translates too because there's the talk about how Jansen Harkins is getting calls, where for, uh, for for some reason I'll teams, take a waivers. Yeah, he's he on waivers twice. Why? Why? Like, just pick I'll him take up. a third. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. Maybe maybe one of the teams that are like, hey, is this guy available? is someone with a top six talent that you can be like, okay, uh, we'll include him. Let's work around that and see what it takes. And then I feel like then it satisfies both teams. One thing about Harkins is every time he goes to the HL, he lights it up. Like he's one of the best forwards on the moose this year. So I feel like one, like NHL GMs, I'm not going to try and make sense of what their thought process is here. But if there's a, if there was a scenario where they passed on Harkins in, in waivers and then saw that he had seven goals in seven games in the HL, they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have passed on that guy. And now the Jets have control, so maybe they called and said, hey, could we get Harkins for a seventh-round pick? But is that substantial enough to report on national television like Merrick did? Um, I think it's it's I think it's the market. I guess, but like, I don't know. Like, how many AHL uh, forwards are getting national attention? Like, I guess the Jets were playing in that game, but... But it's not on the Jets. It's like, also, though, Harkins did play a substantial amount of time in the middle six last year. Right. So he's not like he played a few games this year and then was sent down right. uh, and that was it. He does have 
I wouldn't say a track record, but people know his name. But the, um, again, he was on waivers twice. I I, I don't like, get it. I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't like entirely understand the thought process. But I mean, if we can get an asset for him instead of losing him for yeah. for nothing, I'll take it. Selfishly, yeah. let's keep him down there and keep him dominating the moose because I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Also, the other prospects <laughs> yeah. and yeah. But yeah, I think the top six for the Jets, unless they add a forward, I mean, will probably just stay the same jumbling around mm-hmm. where you'll see. Connor Dubois Ehlers or Perfetti or whoever and Shifley and you'll see that top six and yeah I think the bottom six will stay in flux for a while until bonus finds something he really likes because I don't think he's found something he likes as much as he's mostly gone to the same top six the only constant that bottom six is Baron Lowry yeah and I think he's waiting out to add Appleton there like because there's been Kuhlman, there's been AJF, there's been uh, Gagne. Gagne. Who, I think he's waiting for Appleton to come back. I think Gagne's been sitting too long. Yeah, I feel like it, he should be in there. Like it's 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 a fourth line, so it's probably a it's not like a vast difference to everything. Yeah. But instead of Menelainen, I think Gagne has done enough this season to get more of a look rather than. Menelainen came back and he's been in ever since. But to your point, like they have three forwards in the bottom six that do the same thing. So yeah. put. Gone in for main line and it's a you, different look. It's a different look, and you already have two guys doing that. Yeah, you already have Kuhlman and HF that are the straight line for checking penalty killing players, yeah. and then Gagne is the more offensive uh, playmaking type that can add a little bit of offensive flair to the fourth line and not just make it a pure defensive checking role. dump and but, chisel. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. We uh we might look really foolish in a few weeks though if like if they make an actual like big deal. And then suddenly we'll have no clue what the forward lines are going to look. I mean, yeah. we'll look foolish in a couple of weeks, regardless. We'll make some bad takes. I look foolish <laughs> now. I don't know why. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna look foolish if the if uh, Chevy does his patented trade deadline, go to the cabin and just it's this one out. <laughs> no, I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he is, but like this. No, but it's, it's I'm also. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to keep banging my head into a wall if he doesn't. <laughs> well, when they've make been competitive, when they've been like actually competitive, he has made moves. Mm-hmm. It's not He's like. He's made a move, but it's been for Paul Stassi or Kevin Hayes. I'm, those were good moves. The, the, well, the yeah, Paul, I'm not fair, saying they're not yeah. good moves. <laughs> the Paul Stassi but, move was phenomenal. The Kevin yeah. Hayes move would have been good if he was used in the correct manner um, by the previous coaching staff. Um, <laughs> all, all I'm trying to say is, is that, it, I mean, yes, he made moves and they worked. But in those seasons, too, we were call- Jets fans and the media and everybody was calling for a big move, and he didn't make a big move. Mm. I, so, hope, I hope there's a Stastny moment, though, where like on live TV, on like the 15th hour of Trade Center on TSN, um, James Duthie's pulling his hair out because there's been nothing, and then randomly he springs up with a random trade because no one had Stastny going anywhere Yeah, because he had to wave a no trade to yeah. come here. And it was just like... I remember there was like legit audible like whoa yeah from, yeah. from people and it yeah. was uh, I I'd, I'd like that also I'd like the the people that we've been laying out because it would help it really would um, but no like that's a that's a conversation for another time though yeah, yeah. that that is coming up speaking of which <laughs> th- that conversation will be coming up with a couple of people that we may have joining on this podcast brian has a little bit more information about that yeah so we have the exciting news of sort of taking a next step as a podcast here and we're going to be starting to invite some guests on starting next week Mm -hmm. uh, with our mailbag episode Uh, and we are going to be very pleased to uh, be joined by uh, game over winnipeg host Liz Hood. Yeah. Uh, I was on that show once, the Game Over show. It's great. Uh, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Sorry, that's a mouthful. But uh, yeah, she's great. She'll be great. I can't wait. Uh, Adding guests to the show, something we've wanted to do from the start. We wanted to get a a few episodes under our belt first before we did that, but I'm excited. Um, And yeah, starting next episode, Mailbag. So hit us up on all socials for some questions. We'll put out tweets. We'll remind you. We will. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's been, this has been a long time coming. This is something, like Connor said, we've been talking about for a while, and we just thought that now is probably the best time. We probably would have done it a little bit sooner, but we were kind of we're still feeling the waters. And, yeah, I think Mailbag will be good next week. Yeah, start sending in your questions already, because mm-hmm. then if we can just start lining them up, that would be fantastic. And I'm sure, because we went two and three on a road trip, if, if Jets fans are anything like KU fans, this will be panic time, and we'll have lots of questions to talk about about... <laughs> 
things that we probably don't need to get super worried about. Like whether or not Dubois is a Canadian next year. Yeah. Stuff or, like that, or right? Should we, be, <laughs> should we be panicking and sending three firsts for Timo Meyer because we're that desperate? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> no, but we actually, and what's, what's really exciting too is we have a few guests already lined up as well yeah. that we're going to keep the suspense and not tell any of you. Um, <laughs> some but, big guests, though. I'm really looking forward to Yeah, we've, yeah. we've got some things in our, in our back pocket here that we uh, have yet to really come to terms with because it's been, it's been a, a lot of fun getting going, but the way things have started to really turn for us, it's just been phenomenal, and a lot of it's you know, thanks to the support of our listeners. Yeah. We, we've been really starting to get uh, some great audiences here and um, obviously, we want you to keep letting everyone know that you're listening. But for those who have been here since episode one, really, really thankful for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. More engagement, the better. Yeah. Because it just makes it more fun for us. And Absolutely. there will be a new way to uh, enjoy the Level Flight podcast in the next little while because we are working on getting an actual video feed going. So, um, got a few things coming. You can see in, our faces. Yeah. You could, yeah. <laughs> You know, unmask us, and by mask, <laughs> I mean us just not having enough cameras to film. It's or like back in the day on YouTube, or, yeah. YouTube where people would start to do face cam, and it was this crazy thing. Yeah. This is going to be a fun We're thing. We're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that's going to be coming up soon. Um, we're working on a few things behind the scenes that we really can't mention yet. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping that maybe next episode we'll be able to, you know, give you a little bit of a look behind the curtain because we're really excited to share it with you, but... Um, well, and maybe you might hear it about on our social medias. Yeah, so, yeah. follow uh, us. Uh, another another plug. <laughs> good plug. Good plug. Uh, yeah. Another plug because the news we might have to break the news depending on what happens before our next episode. Mm-hmm. But then we can always go in depth on it. So check us out on all of our socials and be prepared for next episode because it could be a big one. Yes, I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be terrific. And uh, yeah, just. Get ready because it'll be the biggest episode we've probably ever had because we've never had a guest. Yeah, look at that. Boom. <laughs> and yeah, and so Jets have a couple games coming up before next episode. I'm not too sure what they would be. Uh, Sabres tomorrow, which would be Thursday. You're listening to this. It would be tonight. Uh, Flyers and Blues Saturday and Monday. Three-game homestand. And then it is the All-Star break. Uh, but those three games we will touch on briefly on our next episode because we record Wednesdays and those three games happen before Wednesday. So exactly just like that. And it'll be the all-star break. So it'll be a time for us to evaluate the season. Um, and yeah, it should be a fun mail mailbag episode with Liz. Be prepared for next week. Should be a fun one. And as always, go Jets. Go Jets. Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.